You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome to the You Can Mentor podcast. I'm here with Stephen Murray. This is great. This podcast helps me so much. I'm, I'm learning. Oh, uh, guys, I just want to pull back the curtain a tad bit and just tell y'all what happened. I just cleared my throat and Stephen said, there's a lot of phlegm in your throat. <laughs> and I said, uh, do you mean phlegm? <laughs> Turns out Stephen's been saying that word wrong for over two decades, so three, or at least as long as I could speak. Well, that's awesome. So welcome to the You Can Mentor podcast, where you learn mentoring essentials and the English language. It's good to have you. Today, we're going to continue our series on leading and running and starting a nonprofit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I knew. It's the, look at the word. It's a, look at the word. It's a weird spelling. It's a weird spelling. Okay. I'll admit that. I'm going to give that to you. All right. Oh, let's get back on track here, Murdog, even though I don't know I'm if in. we ever started on track. I'm in. Today, we're going to continue this series on running, mentoring, organizations, starting, leading, all that good stuff. If you want to start a mentoring org, if you're leading one, we hope this adds value. We're going to focus in on fundraising again, because uh, if you don't have money, you don't have an organization. So uh, fundraising tends to be important. Mentors and money. Mentors and money. That's what you need. And Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how to diversify your fundraising strategy and how to raise that total budget using multiple fundraising streams. Man. So you don't want to just, you know, invest in Dogecoin as a nonprofit. I don't even know what that Can, means. I mean, it's one of those cryptocurrencies yeah. that was like a meme. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if nonprofits can actually in, invest in things. Yeah, they, they can. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's called endowment. Things like that. Okay. You can, I can give you money and we can invest it and it turns into more money. That's how the stock market works. That's legit. Most of the time. Why isn't that on this list? Because <laughs> that's for the big boys. Big boys. We're okay. not quite the big boys yet. Okay. So pretty much, <clears throat> excuse me, got some phlegm in my throat. So it's important to have multiple ways to fundraise because this kind of gives you an edge in case something bad happens. A recession, a uh, Major donor decides to give somewhere else. A pandemic. Um, a pandemic. It's a very good example, <laughs> Stephen. Good job. And so why, diversifi why diversification is so important is because I have a friend, and I think that this story kind of um, shines a light on why we're talking about this. And his budget was about $250,000, but his entire budget was comprised of five people giving $50,000, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he's doing his programs, he's got mentors, he's got things like that. And then all of the sudden, one of his main investors comes to him and says, hey, my business is having a really hard time and I have to pull my funding from you. Well, in a moment's time, his budget, his fundraising just got cut by 20%. And he was so dependent That's upon- a huge cut. Right. And so he was so dependent upon those five people that when one dropped out, he actually had to fire a person from his staff because, because that change- he just wasn't prepared for that, right? And so if he would have had funding sources from, you know, small donors, midsize, large foundations, events, grants, if 
if he would have made his fundraising plan a tad bit more diverse, then maybe he wouldn't have had to fire that person. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, that's a good example. Well, thanks, Stephen. So all of us have to raise a, a total budget. And it doesn't matter if it's 50000 doesn't matter if it's 100000 or if it's $800,000. We all have a job to do, and that includes fundraising. So today we're going to talk about the six ways that we here at our nonprofit fundraise. This is a way, this isn't the way, but this has helped us not only meet our financial goals each year, but exceed them. So and these are the buckets. We're, we're not saying MailChimp newsletter yeah, no, no, no. with a button that's green. <laughs> yes, just have the, the an buckets. emoji in your title, subject line of subject emails. Line. Yeah, no. Subject line, money bags flying. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand emojis. I'm so old. You are old. I mean, um, you're almost 40. So, uh, yeah, so... This is big picture, okay? So think of it like a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid is your goal, total budget, okay? That should be a number, all right? For us, it's total, and then we also wanna raise about 10 to 15% more than that so we can toss that into savings. One important thing is to have cash in the bank in savings just in case something happens like a pandemic or, you know, a recession. So. Standard standard practice, best practice is to have, you know, anywhere from three to 12 months savings in the bank account. So if you don't raise another cent, you can survive for X months. I think for us currently in the bank, we have nine months. So, and we feel real good about that. So just, that's a, that's a tip. Yeah. So. Well, and w would you say a part of that is also if something were to happen, there's an immediate need of uh, your clients, the people that you serve. Mm -hmm. Is that also a, a part of that is that we don't know what's going to happen this next month that may affect all of our families. A, I, I realize that you have to stay on vision and we're a mentoring organization. We don't just pay people's rent, but is a part of that being at least equipped if the opportunity presents itself to serve in, a, in an additional way the, yeah. the people. So here's a good example. We're about to move. And in the move, we need to spend about $40,000, give or take, buying furniture, painting, doing all of the stuff to make our new space look cool. Well, that 40,000, this kind of came up on us. And so we didn't budget that last year. So we can pull that from our, from our savings. Mm -hmm. Whenever we started an after school, program and we um, didn't account for vans. So we had to spend $120,000 on vans. That came out of that savings account. So yeah, so it, it is a good kind of nest egg to have just in case, just in case you miss something, just in case something bad happens, just in case you need that cash quick. So, all right, let's get back on topic. So at the top of the pyramid, you've got your total budget and then the six streams coming down from those. That's what we're going to focus in on today. So the first one, which is, which is my favorite one, is recurring monthly givers. That's people who give each and every month, just set up that auto payment on their bank account, and every month they give 10, 25, 50, 100, $500. So yeah, what do you think about that, Steve? Is, is there an amount you're looking for, a percentage from each of these? Or is it, is it more of just saying, if you don't have a strategy that reflects all six of these, recognize yeah. your need for diversity. Yeah. I mean, I would say like different nonprofits will depend more on 
different streams. So I have a friend, their budget is, you know, a little over a million dollars and like over 80% of their donations are recurring wow. monthly givers. They, they have like, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of people who just give like 28 bucks a month, 35 bucks a month. And so that's his way, right? That's not our way. But for, for us, I think I say that I want about 10 to 20% of our cash to come from recurring monthly givers. So, but that's loose, right? But that is just how I do it. So, but it sounds like as far as diversifying funding, the more recurring donors you have, the more diversified your your funding strategy is because people will fall off. Exactly. But you only lose 30 bucks a month right. if somebody falls off. Exactly. So like if you have 100 people giving per month, if you lose five of those people, that isn't a big deal, right? If you have 200 people who you know give per month, if you lose 15 of those people, that isn't a big deal. So that's why I love the recurring monthly giver. Yeah. And this is what's so cool, especially now everyone has subscriptions. They got Amazon, they've got their gym, they've got Netflix. Like people are used to cash coming out of their bank account each and every month. If you can somehow get on that list, then, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. It's easy. They stay on for, I mean, I mean, for years. And then it's an easy ask. Hey, you, you gave 25 bucks last month. Can you bump that up to 35 bucks? bucks this year. Hey, you gave 35 bucks last year. Can you bump that up to 50? Right. And if you're intentional about asking, if you're intentional about saying thank you too, mm. then that 25 bucks a month can turn into 40 bucks a month can turn into a hundred bucks a month pretty quick. Some, some of our biggest donors, this is what's so crazy. They started giving to us whenever they were, you know, 25, 26, and they gave 25 bucks a month, but now they're 34, 35, and they're starting to make some pretty serious money. Well, that 25 bucks a month is now 200 bucks a month. Wow. So it's also a great way to cultivate people who they might not have the capacity to give a lot right now, but you never know, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's really good. So yeah, one important thing is you have to keep them informed on what they're giving to. So we send every person who gives a month and also every person that we consider to be like a key donor, someone who has given year after year after year, we have a list that list is... How long is it? Three, 350 people-ish? I think it's 500. 500 people. It shows how much I know. That's why I'm, that is why I'm leaving. But <laughs> That's not why. And we send them a, a email every month, but we also send them a newsletter in the mail every month. And that's, it, it isn't an ask. It's not, you know, it's telling a story. Hey, you gave X per month. This is what it did. Mm -hmm. Here's a story about Johnny, right? Yeah. And that, and that goes back to? People give to people. People give to help other people, and you're sharing a story about a person in your ministry. That's awesome. So it's an it is an easy ask. Every time you go out to lunch with someone, hey, can you give twenty five bucks a month? That's one meal at you know Chick Fil A. Can you give a hundred bucks a month? And I decide to ask just kind of based on who they are, right? Like my ask for a kid who's twenty four is going to be different than a guy who's a doctor who's fifty five, right? So. For one person, I might ask for 10 bucks a month. For one person, I might ask for $100 a month. Yeah. So. A, a note on the monthly letter. I was at a guy's house, and I, we were in his office meeting, and I saw that he had posted every single one of those on the side of his wall next to his computer. And so he just had pinned up on his wall every letter that we'd ever sent him. 
and it helped me connect with how important the story is to engage the donor within the journey of the nonprofit, mm-hmm. who we're serving, what's happening. And, and I think that that continually renews them and why I give to this organization. Well, people don't want to just be a check. People don't want to be just cash. They want to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And when you share stories, when you say thank you, when you engage them, you're giving them something to pray about. You're giving them something to think about. You're giving them something to be a part of, mm-hmm. right? And so if and when people give, it's your job to then add them to your team and keep them up to date of what the Lord's doing through your ministry and with their funds. So, Which that that's probably a practical for all of these. Uh, yes, most they, definitely. They're not just a check, but yeah. they, they yeah. recognize they're a part of the story. Yeah, and I think that we've talked about this some, but we send an email to every person Every month, that's over. There's over a thousand people on our email list. We send a newsletter in the mail to over 500 people every month. We give those 500 that live within 10 miles of our area. We give them a Christmas gift on their porch around December 15th. What else do we do? We send note cards throughout the year. Like we, it's just, and this kind of goes into what our fundraising philosophy is. When the Lord stirs someone's heart to give, we want to be the first nonprofit that that they think of. And they're gonna think of you more often if they're holding a coffee mug with your name on it, if they just receive something of yours in the mail, if they have on one of your t-shirts, if on their coffee table is our end of the year, right? So it's it's just like keeping your nonprofit, keeping what God's doing through you top of mind is, in my opinion, the highest priority in regards to fundraising. Yeah, it's great. And it's cool, too, because you're giving your donors stories. So when they're out with their friends and someone's like, hey, have you ever heard of this nonprofit? Oh, yeah, here's a story Mm -hmm. that I just got in the mail, you know, and you're helping them feel connected because you couldn't do what you do without them. So it's important for us to make them feel a part of the team because they are a part of the team. Absolutely, yeah. So, And even yesterday, one of our longtime donors submitted an application to become a mentor. Yeah. And and it, it goes both ways. Sometimes mentors become donors and donors become mentors. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing yeah. that that relationship comes from a connection yeah. to the vision. And it's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It's just about them joining your team. So I don't care if someone gives 10 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month. I, I don't treat them any differently. It's just they're on our team now. And mm-hmm. this is how we treat people on our team. First bucket, recurring monthly givers. That's a big deal. The next one is one-time gifts. So people will give one-time gifts. For us, we get a large bump, especially at Christmas time, end of the year time, you know. And it's important for you to record those and to make sure that you know who has contributed to your nonprofit and when. And then to add them to your email chain, add them to your newsletter and just keep them in the system so that they're now receiving all the communication that you put out. So, Do you usually have, I don't know what you've done in the past, of opportunities for one-time gifts, or is it is it more of just the donors making the decision to give a one-time gift? Yeah, so the one-time gift, it can be both. So this is a great time if you have like a, have a drive. So people love to give to things. So hey, we're trying to raise $50,000 for a new van right? Hey, we're trying to raise $100,000 for a new computer lab, right? So it's up to you as a nonprofit to get creative and to take a look at all of the things that you need to purchase and say, okay, how can we 
make this an ask for our donor base, right? So like for us, we started a high school program in 2020 and we said, hey guys, we need to raise $150,000. And when we do that, this is what it will produce. It will produce one full-time staff person. It will produce, you know, da, 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 da. And then we'll get to reach more kids, right? So most people like to give to things. So like computer labs, basketball courts, building, but, but people do like to give to, um, positions and things yeah. like that as well. So. I was thinking about the the playground that we installed. Yeah. Like we sent out a picture of the former playground, which looked like <laughs> it was straight out of like saw. Out of prison? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I mean, we just put that in a, a newsletter and said, hey, we would love to replace this playground for our boys so they don't feel right. like they're, I don't know. In prison? <laughs> Yes, yes. That thing was jankety at best. <laughs> it was just chains, a bunch of chains and poles. And Hey, here's a, <laughs> is this a worn down hammer <laughs> as a seesaw? But yeah, so yeah, so you and your team get creative. Hey, what can we ask for? What, what can we ask our support system for? You know, we're about to get a brand new basketball court. It's because we, we said, okay, we want a basketball court. It'll cost this much. Let's ask our team, and it we raised the money in like two weeks. It was awesome. And I, I think probably one time, guess like you may have a mulch guy in your donor base, and he's yeah. like, "Dude, I'll donate some mulch for your playground," yeah. or a contractor who wants to build a fence for you. It's so one time gifts aren't necessarily f- monetary, but they could be sure. them using their skills and yeah, yeah. Well, it's just important to ask. Yeah. So like, hey, here are our needs for the month. You know, we need mulch. And some guy might be like, hey, I got a cousin, Bob, who sells mulch. Can he, you know, so. <laughs> but uh, that happens. That happens all the time. <laughs> so, like, it's awesome. But if you don't ask, then you won't get, so. Yeah. That's really good. Now, at the same time, don't be, like, you know, cheap. And be like, I need toilet paper. You know, like, hey, like, yes. it's okay to spend some money. Well, I, but- I got an email um, this last week. Someone was like, "Hey, my children have stopped playing video games because they're 30." And <laughs> good, good, yes. And they were like, "Do you want this Xbox? All we have are mature first-person shooter games. Let me know if this would be beneficial for your mentoring program." I was like, "No, I, I don't. Th- I don't think I want our fourth graders playing <laughs> Call of Duty." Yes, please um, don't. Hey, but thank you. Hey, mentor, <laughs> let's play Grand Theft Auto. Okay, so that's we talked about recurring. We talked about one-time gifts. Next up are the large gifts. So for us, that's anyone who gives over $5,000. And so, like I said earlier, you don't ever want to treat someone differently based on how much they can give, because I don't think that's godly. I actually think it says something about that in the Bible. So, but at the same time, you've got to know who can give what. So like, we have a vision, we think we have a vision, in three years, and five years, we want to build a new facility. It's going to cost about $3 million. Well, who are the donors who can who can give large sums to make that happen, right? And it's just important to know that. It's important to just keep those people in mind as you begin to dream and as you begin to figure out what the Lord has for you in the next one to three to five years. Would you say if you can't get some of those people who have like have money bags on board with your vision of the next thing you wanted to do, maybe that's a red flag on like, is this a wise decision? No, because no, I, I don't know. I don't if think that so. Plays no, a part because it just depends. Like our nonprofit is in a pretty wealthy part of Dallas. Like we have a lot of five thousand dollar and above supporters. That doesn't mean that 
every idea that I have is awesome, right? No, mm-hmm. it, it just means that these people have money and they're super generous. You know, if our nonprofit was in a community that wasn't as wasn't as wealthy, then perhaps people could only give a hundred dollars. Perhaps people could only give two hundred dollars. But and that's okay. There isn't anything wrong with that. But it's important to to just keep an eye on these people and know who who can give what, so that whenever the big ask comes, you know who can who can make that happen. It it does seem though that there there's a greater level of trust that those people must have in you if they're willing to give give a large sum of money, give ten grand. That is not that a sign? I don't know that... if it is, Stephen, because the ten thousand I mean, you don't know. I mean, it might cost someone more to give you a hundred dollars mm. than it does for this person to go give a hundred thousand dollars. So like I don't think that you can really roll like that because you never I mean Every person who gives, it doesn't matter if they're five bucks, 10 bucks, 10,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks, like that means something to them. And so every donation is a sign of trust. Mm-hmm. Every cent that comes in is someone saying, hey, this is what I've got and I'm entrusting it to you to advance God's kingdom. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $100,000. So, I mean, yeah, if someone gives you, you know, $25,000, I don't think you need to worry about what that person thinks. Mm. I think you need to worry about what God thinks. Mm. Right? And if you are being a better steward because this guy gave you a huge chunk of change and that's the and and that is that is y- your motive, I think that you're off. Mm. Right? And so your your motive, your heart needs to be I'm going to be a good steward with every single cent that comes in. Right? Does that That's make good. sense? Yeah. So yeah, like it's awesome to receive a big check, but God's calling us to be a good steward. Period. God's not just saying, "Hey, be sure to be a good steward with large gifts." Mm-hmm. So, well, like, and faithful with the little. What's the second part of that verse? Master over much. So, okay. like, my first man, I, I was having coffee with this guy last week, and I remember we had our first fundraiser. And I wanted to raise twenty five hundred dollars. It's back in two thousand nine, and we had it at Park Lane and Greenville at this bar. <laughs> like I look back, and it was a pretty terrible event. But this guy showed up, and I coached his kid, and he came in and he said, "Zach, I really like what you guys are doing." And he handed me a check. The check was for five hundred dollars, and Stephen you would have thought that I just won the lottery because it was the biggest gift by far that anyone had ever given us, right? Mm. And I was just sitting there with my friend last week and I said, Bob, you do realize you are the first big supporter of us. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, you gave us 500 bucks. Well, today, Bob gives us a whole lot more than 500 bucks, (laughs) right? But back then, Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this isn't just a vote of confidence for the ministry. This isn't just Zach. I think that you're onto something. This isn't just Zach. God's working. It's Zach. I, I trust you. Mm -hmm. So it's like every time someone gives to you, it's a vote of confidence, not just for what God's doing, but it's a vote of confidence in you as the leader. Mm -hmm. And that carries some weight. And I think that that, I think that that's a good weight, but, but yeah, so you be a good steward, period. End of story. Don't be cheap. 
Don't be scared of money, okay? But be a good steward. Like, you know, and you're thoughtful, and you're wise as to how to use God's money for his people. So, Mm. it's big. But yeah, so we talked about recurring. We talked about one-time gifts. We talked about large gifts. Next up, we're talking about foundations and grants. So, that can be, you know, family foundations. That can be a business. That can be, like, we just got a grant from the Lake Highlands Exchange Club. It can be community mm-hmm. organizations. And it's important to have those. Like we we have gotten, there's a, a foundation in town that they consistently, for the last five years, have given us anywhere between fifty dollars and $100,000. And that's a good thing, right? Like we are, we're partnered with, with a group down in Houston and they've given us, you know, 50,000 bucks for the last five years. Now I'll say this about foundations. Foundations are awesome, you know, but depending on the foundation, because everyone's different, sometimes they require lots of work. Sometimes they require lots of reporting and you have to assess your nonprofit to see if you can handle what comes with the money. One other thing is sometimes they will force you to spend money on something. And if that something doesn't fit within your vision, it's really easy to get off your vision because of funding. So if someone came up to us and said, Zach, I'll give you $250,000 to, you know, build a sports complex, I would say, no, thank you, because we don't do sports. There's someone else in Lake Highlands who does sports. Go give that money to them because mm-hmm. they're passionate about that, right? But don't ever take the money out of fear that God's not going to provide. That's the thing. I feel like the the larger gifts, the foundations, the those kind of things can really influence you fairly quickly. I mean, it becomes like a political kind of deal. It can. It can, but not always, Mm -hmm. right? So I see foundations and things like that as partners, right? And if you're partnered with someone, y'all better be on the same page. And so, yeah, like there's a lot of foundations and things like that that they won't fund orgs that talk about Jesus. Well, guess what? We talk about Jesus. So... We're not going to be a good fit for them, but it's up to you and your nonprofit to figure out who is a good fit and who can we partner with to advance the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And there's different consultants that can help you find those people. Most of the time, the family foundations, they're kind of hard to find. They're kind of hard to find on purpose. I'll also say this. They're going to ask you to, to fill out an application or things like that, and sometimes they ask you to do weird things. They're asking you to do weird things because they want to see if you can follow instructions, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So like every foundation has a system and pay attention to the system because if you mess up, that's the easiest way to not get funded from them. I'll also say this, keep on tossing seeds. So if you get rejected, keep on applying because for us, we've, there's been certain foundations, certain types of grants that we've applied to that we've gotten denied year one, denied year two, denied year three, year four, they give us X amount. So Sometimes it takes a couple of cycles for them just to get to know you, right? And That's good to know. Yeah. So find a good partner, find a good fit, and just pursue them. I was going to say on the reporting end, because mm-hmm. I just filled out my first grant this last week. And for for this foundation, there was a lot of, tell me what you're doing next year, the following year, four years from now. I have a plan. And a part of that was like really like difficult for me to think through, okay, 
this organization's wanting wanting me to prove that I'm going to be in it for the long haul and I actually have an intention with I'm not just asking you for money this year I'm thinking about what I want to ask you next year to make this better and mm-hmm. and and so if anyone's sitting out there and they're frustrated looking at this foundation who's who wants to know that you have a plan check yourself and recognize that they're actually wanting to help you in your vision that they want to make you more successful in in asking you requiring you to to think through where you're headed and what you're doing mm-hmm. and i know obviously you're just naturally thinking 5 years ahead that's not where i'm at and so the process of filling out that application in a very real way informed my own thought process of where this ministry is headed yeah so it's good it's helpful all right we talked about recurring we talked about one time we talked about large we talked about foundation grants things like that next up churches so we love partnering with churches because churches i mean if Stephen and i had it our way the church would mentor but that's okay church we still love you instead partner with us but churches can give you mentors churches can give you board members churches can give you funding so we've got two key church partnerships and that's where the majority of our of our mentors come from and they give us a nice check every month and we're very grateful for that but um and that is like the cool thing about a church is depending on the size it can be like a foundation but like you know you guys are on the same team cuz the end goal of a church is to advance the kingdom that's our end goal too so i just like it so yeah well and i think that goes back into the volunteers become donors donors become volunteers mm-hmm. and that the the church is really a place of activation where yeah. people are learning to live on purpose and that comes with your finances but as well as just your time and so i mean doing interest meetings at churches just sharing about opportunities to volunteer mm-hmm. that plays a part i think in your donor strategy, your fundraising strategy, because you're getting in front of the church, sharing your vision for what you're doing. Yeah. So like, I mean, here's a, here's a, here's a great example. I go share at Lake Highlands Exchange Club. I go share at community organizations like the Lake Highlands Women's League, Lake Highlands Junior Women's League. I'll go share at churches. I'll go share at schools. I'll go share at PTAs. I'll go share at any Anytime anyone asks me to go share, I'll go share because it's just a great opportunity to toss a bunch of seeds at one time. And almost all of our large donors, almost all of our grants, almost all of our family foundations have come from someone hearing me speak or someone volunteering with us or someone hearing about us and supporting us with a small amount. They see what we're up to. They get kind of a little bit of a deeper dive. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, hey, I need to introduce you to my uncle. Hey, I want to introduce you to, to my best friend. We, we had lunch with a guy. We had breakfast with a guy yesterday who, great dude, I mean, has given away in the last five years, I mean, eight figures? Not to us. <laughs> That'd be awesome <laughs> if he did. But, I mean, tens of millions of dollars. Mm. And now he knows about us. And he has, you know, supported us. More than that, he's just a great guy. Mm. He's our friend. But how did I get to know him? I, my best friend's dad played golf with him. Mm. And I know my best friend. I know my, my best friend's dad. My best friend's dad knows what, 
we do. My best friend's dad trusts me. And he said, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. And that was in 2018. And so it's like, you never know who knows who. Yeah. You never know who knows who. And so it's a big deal. Well, and I joined Forerunner because you you spoke at my church. Right. You gave a sermon. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was a great sermon. <laughs> It was, it was, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Didn't stutter at all. And I think that, that one got Clint justice too. And so that got a you bucket. got, yeah, you got volunteers yeah. so and share. board members mm-hmm. and funders yep. just from sharing one Sunday at the church. All at once. Last one. This is a good one. This is one that we like to do. One, because you can find volunteers to put on the events. Two, you can find people in your support system to possibly donate. You know, like we have a huge fundraiser every year. And the person who caters the food, which is fantastic, he's one of our donors. Mm. He's a friend of mine. And he said, hey, Gars, I would love to support this event at cost. Whoa, you, you just saved us $20,000 on food. Like, thank you, Jordan. He's a stud. But I like what you said about the people that believe in you, that are like love the vision of your organization, giving them opportunities to leverage their network mm-hmm. to yeah. Yeah. jump in. People want to help, man. Yeah. So we like Chris Chris Conlon who is like just guy. randomly saying, "Hey, I want to do a thousand pull ups for Jesus and for Forerunner, and I'll just post about it on Facebook." And he raised five grand That's in great. like a few weeks. So we do six events here at Forerunner, and every event has a specific purpose. Sometimes it is to raise money. Sometimes it's to raise awareness. Sometimes it's just to have fun. Sometimes it's, it's to celebrate. So I'm just going to go through these. We do a spring fundraiser in early March. And what that is, is it's a two and a half hour event at a nice venue. It's an hour long, happy hour, and then a 90 minute long dinner with us sharing for about 20 minutes. That's nice. That's where we make big asks. We, you know, we hope to raise about a third of our budget there. And so that's our big dog. Like that is what we really focus in on. We haven't had that in the last two years because of the pandemic. And we've still gone over, but we've still made more than we have asked for in our budget. So the Lord provides. That's amazing. But that's a that's a fruit of diversifying exactly. your fundraising strategy. Exactly. Yeah. So we we missed out on an event for the last two years that typically brings in about two to three hundred thousand dollars and we still made budget and then some. That's because we diversify. Yeah. That's really good. That's in early March. The second one we do, and that is for like the community people. That's for our donors and their friends and things like that. The point is to raise money. The next one is the spring clay shoot, and that is in early May. The point of that is to get funding from businesses, and it's also to raise awareness and to get new people finding out about our nonprofit. So it's it's not necessarily to make money. Yes, we do want to make a little bit of money, but the main point of that is to build connections with businesses and to introduce new people to Forerunner. I, I loved our conversation about it, uh, corporate sponsorships versus individuals mm-hmm. and recognizing that there are opportunities to engage the companies that people yeah. work for yeah. who already have strategies or plans in place right. to give. Why shouldn't they give yeah. to what we're doing? Yeah, there's businesses out there that say, we're going to give away $500,000 this year. We're going to give away Tell us who. $10 million <laughs> this year. And there's a board of people that they find good orgs and they give money to them and you want to be on that list. So, I mean, that's a big deal, but 
we make it easy for them to like sponsor a station at a clay shoot, sponsor a hole at a golf tournament and so on. So next up, we have the fall golf tournament, which is in late October, early November. And it's the same thing. Get businesses involved, new people, have a good time. For the clay shoot and the golf tournament, it'll take you about three years to get good at it. So just be patient and just have fun. Make it a smooth event. Like just create an event where people leave and they say, I want to do that next year. That it, that it might not necessarily, I guess your goal, like financially successful, what is what does that look like really for these events? You don't recognize the intangibles of relationships, mm-hmm. of connecting with new people right. and how much cultivating those relationships right. will in the long run be more important than whatever they give at the event. Would I rather have $20,000 or 20 new connections? Mm-hmm. 20 new connections. Because if those 20 people give 100 bucks a month, for the next five years, it's a lot more than $20,000, mm. right? But I don't um, know. I'm not very good at math, but I'm well, picking up what you're throwing down. See there, that's $1,200 times 20 is $22,000 times oh, it's five more. is over $100,000, <laughs> Stephen. So yeah, it's great. Welcome to math. Um, <laughs> okay, so we got the spring fundraiser. We got the spring clay shoot. We got the fall golf tourney. Also, make an ask there. So hey, Give 25 bucks a month. Give 100 bucks a month. Don't talk for an hour. They're there because they know Should about you your nonprofit. Should you say give 18 bucks a month? You can do that if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Because there's 18 holes. Yeah, you can do that. I don't care what you do. Just <laughs> just do it. Just ask. <laughs> you know, Don't ever waste a good opportunity to ask. It's good. Next up, we do the fall North Texas Giving Day. I was just going to say, what if we tell them to give monthly their score? Yeah. Because like usually 100 is like... That's, a, that's they, actually a really good idea. I'm going to do it. You're awesome. All right. Next up, we have this thing called North Texas Giving Day. And that's just, you know, just pick a day and say, hey, on this day, we want to raise $100,000. On this day, we want to raise $150,000. Create a campaign, make a video, you know, send out a news note card beforehand saying, hey, in two weeks, we want to raise X. Just give people a reason to give. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. And then lastly, we just did this last last week man we've been doing a lot we had a community event and we like got snow cones we got bounce houses we got food trucks we got face paint i mean we just brought the community together for just a good old time and it was from four to eight and the whole point of that was really just to have fun and to have people who know about us bring their friends to learn about us and we didn't we made a little bit of an ask but not much which i think we could have done we should have asked we didn't but that's okay don't ever waste an opportunity for a good ask. But it was fun, and Stephen got to meet. Do you, should you ask at every event? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, we are the ones the, that doing was, the podcast, so maybe we should know. But I guess we yeah. don't. It's uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. But I think there is like a prime. The primary is relationship. Yeah. Secondary is giving people away. It's like the gospel. It's like if you don't give people an invitation to receive right, Jesus, right? Are they going to to make that? take that next step. And so like there could have been people at that event who wanted to give, we just didn't give them an opportunity. Yeah. And that's on us. So I would say whether it's a big ask or a small ask more than just putting a QR code on a table. You love QR codes. (laughs) Golly. I've never met anyone who loves QR codes more than you. You're going to get a QR code tattooed on your face. But asking people for money is not putting a piece of paper on a table that says give today. It's not about asking for money. It's asking them to support. Yeah. Get that out of your head. 
It's about team members, teammates, people give to people. Give them a opportunity to be involved with what God's doing through you. I love that. All right, so, and then the last one, we just did this thing. It's a brunch. We're going to do this this year. It's a brunch for all of our, all of the uh, moms in our community. It's going to be on like a Thursday morning. Hey, drop the kids off at school at 8. Go have a nice brunch on us at 8.30 and support our women's ministry. If we get 100 moms there, if we get 200 moms there, and if we say, hey, if everyone here gives 50 bucks a month, that can be nice. So. Well, and I, I've listened to a few podcasts about nonprofit fundraising. And you've been listening to other podcasts. I, I'm sorry, I've been cheating on oh you can mentor, but th- they've just talked about how in a, in a lot of nonprofit circles, there aren't very many strategies about how to get women engaged in giving. It's it's more. I don't want to come off negatively, but it's like this patriarchal kind of. I make the money, and I will yes. tell you where I'm going to give the money to. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, and and just. Like in our conversation about the women's ministry, who's going to care more about the women's ministry? Exactly. Is it going to be moms? Which or? that goes back to our value proposition, which yeah. I talked about with Jeff Giddens, the podcast. Tune in. I'll say this, though. We were at a board meeting on Wednesday morning, and one of our guys on our board said, if my wife comes home on fire for something, you better believe I will support it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean... Yeah, focus on the men, but also focus on. But I was it's asking you, like, how many how many women do you take out to lunch to ask for money? You probably don't do that very often because you don't want to get murdered. Yeah, well, yeah, that's not. I mean, you got to be smart. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna go out to lunch every day with you know Someone a bunch of women. Spouse. Like, yeah, like, I mean, you can do that if that's what you want to do. I that I don't feel comfortable doing that, but that's why it's good to have a diverse board, so your board members can do that, right? Or you could take a friend group out. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, so like, I won't go out to lunch with, I won't go out to lunch with, you know, with, with the female, one on one. I'll go one on two. I'll invite Beth along. I'll invite Stephen along. But yeah, you just got to be smart about that. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, that kind of ended on a weird note. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Really appreciate your two cents on that one. Golly. All right. So those are the ways that we fundraise here at Forerunner. There are different ways, you know, just get people on your team, whether it's through recurring one-time church, large gifts, foundations, or events. If someone's listening and they're overwhelmed by all these different buckets. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's on you. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying it's me. I'm not saying it's, uh, it may be me, but is... Is there any encouragement you would give to them? I would say just have a plan. Have a plan and work the plan. Don't worry about how much someone gives. Just worry about sharing the vision and giving them opportunities, multiple opportunities to get involved. So every time that I meet with someone, it's, hey, here's how you can help us. You can pray for us. You can volunteer with us. You can give us a connection. You can provide financially. You know, it's like, hey, here are the four ways. I I don't really care which one you do. Just do one of them. You know, and so, but yeah, fundraising, when I first started, it was crazy. Here's a great book, The Spirituality of Fundraising by Nowen. Spirituality of Fundraising changed my perspective on fundraising, changed my heart on fundraising, displaced all fear in fundraising. Go order that book. Nowen. It's green. It's a green book. I like green. 
It's a good color. Henry Nouwen's good. Gosh, he's so good. I, I just thought, because you have this image of a pyramid, total budget into these six streams, but really in between those, it's personal connection. It's all about relationships. Relationships change lives, and that includes fundraising. I've heard you say that before. I guess I shouldn't say it's like a pyramid, like they stack on each other. It's like the movie Ghostbusters, when they're at the top of the building and there's all these streams. Don't cross the streams. There's like six streams. That's what it is. I've never seen Ghostbusters. You've never but... seen Ghostbusters? <laughs> Dude, don't cross the streams, bro. <laughs> Golly, we just showed our age. All right, let's get out of here. We love you. Fundraising. Hey, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. First vision, then provision. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. The one who calls you is faithful. He has called you. He will provide financially. Don't be scared of money. Mm. All right. God's got you. Give people an opportunity to join what God is doing through you and through your ministry. You can mentor.